Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, and we're back with the Union Men's Head Hockey Coach, Josh Halji. Josh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, let me open, uh, first of all, by apologizing to you because we were scheduled to uh, tape last Thursday to preview the Capital District Mayor's Cup uh, game, but... Uh, However, while I was at work last Wednesday, I got the stomach bug, and it wasn't uh, kept me out of work on Thursday. For me to be out of work, uh, I, I'm really sick. So, yeah, we could have taped last Friday, but I, the more I thought about it, I just didn't want to pass whatever I had on to you because you guys just got over the, oh, the flu bug going through the team, and so it was just better off just to take it uh, safe and uh, – I appreciate you, uh, you know, understanding the situation. No, I totally understand, and just glad you're back and ready to go. Yeah. Well, let's look back at last Saturday's Capital District Mayor's Cup game against RPI. Garner Chargers continue the dominance of the event, capturing their third straight cup and eighth overall with a 5-3 victory over the engineers at MVP Arena. For you, uh, Josh, you're 2-0 in this game, so how much fun was it? It, it was a lot of fun. I thought that the energy in the building was was unbelievable. It was, it was really loud. It was... Uh, it was, it was pretty split too. So it's good when the fans are kind of going back a little bit, back and forth. And um, you know, for us to, to end up on top, it was great. Did it seem like more than fifty nine hundred people there? I I was shocked. I thought it was like, I thought it was a really good crowd. I I thought that number was a little little light. Yeah, um, you've coached in one rivalry series with yeah, Clarkson against St. Lawrence when you were up there. I mean, is the is the Union RPI rivalry just as intense as the North Country rivalry? I, I think so, and it's it's different in the sense that you play. You know, we play. This is the third game. We're up there. You usually only played two. So, um, with the exhibition game now, it's the fourth time. Like there's a there's a lot of uh, you know built up aggression from you know just both teams and things that happened earlier in the series. So um, this this one was. It was pretty special just to have it, and um, it, it's been a lot of fun. Of course, we're this, this year celebrate. I don't know if we're celebrates the right word. We remember the ten year anniversary of the Mayor's Cup brawl between these two teams. That uh, I did a lot of you know fun stuff interviews. I don't know if I had a chance to. Did you ever hear about that uh, at all when you were at Clarkson? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, you know that sort of sort of is for folklore and just kind of what happened and just you know ever the story gets a little bigger and bigger when you hear different people tell it so it's it's a lot of fun and I do remember it and it was uh it was definitely something that was talked about in the office yep well the first period of Saturday's game Union takes a one nothing lead on a Caden Viegas goal 217 into the contest but uh, Tyler Hotson tied it for RPI 633 later and that was RPI's first goal in the Mayor's Cup since the 2020 game uh, the engineers were shut out in the last two contests. I mean, how would you assess that first period? I thought we, uh, you know, had the better of the opportunities. I thought we had some, you know, good traffic around their net, just weren't able to extend that lead. And when you get the, you know, the early lead, you got to jump on them and take advantage of it. And, um, you know, I thought we let them back into the game, but still felt like, you know, we had had the better of the first. Well, the second period was very entertaining for the fans, maybe not for the coaches. There were five goals scored, and it sort of reminded me of the 8-6 game that, that was played at uh, Messerink on November 3rd. The you know, RPI takes the lead on a Ryan Bruchette goal, 125 into the second, and then Cullen Ferguson ties it for Union at 648. But then an historic moment happens with 907 left in the period. Union senior defenseman Nathan Kelly came into the game having played 75 career games for Union. He had 10 points, all coming on assist. 
But then as if the Red Sea had parted, Kelly takes a pass from Brandon Bear, skated up the slot and fired a perfect wrist shot past goalie Jack Watson for his first career goal, giving Union a 3-2 lead. And it was a great shot. I think what's fascinating to me is I was sitting in the media room watching the game on the monitor uh, was the way Kelly reacted. All he did was raise a stick. There was no jumping around, no fist pump. It was as if uh, Nathan had, you know, was used to scoring goals, but his teammates and even you went crazy. I mean, how happy was everyone for him? Yeah, I think everybody was was just thrilled. I mean, he puts in so much work and, you know, it's one of those things you just don't know if it's ever going to happen. I mean, we're down to, you know, 10, you know, now 10 games left in the regular season. Like, is he going to get one? And he's had opportunities and he's been playing really well. So for him to get rewarded, it was great. Um, but I did think he made us all look bad just because he, <laughs> he was so calm. <laughs> I, mean, well, I, I mean, it was just uh, crazy. Just I mean, after the game, when we talked to Kelly about the goal, he, he said he got lucky. And then there was more, I, was, I think it was more than luck because it was a great shot. And then you know, after we got done with the interviews, he was reluctant to get his picture taken with the puck. What is Nathan Kelly like? Uh, he, he's great. Um, you know, that's he's just kind of easygoing and just, um, you know, super easy to get along with. I think he's, you know, you, you saw the reaction with the guys on the bench. Like, everybody loves him, and he's, he's a great teammate and great person. Yeah. I mean, it would have been an even better uh, story had that been the game-winning goal, but alas, RPI's uh, over Tindling uh, ruined that with 620 left in the period. But then Union regains the lead for good with 206 left. And it started with uh, Ferguson. We're going to talk about a little more about Cullen in our second segment. Uh, he floated the puck uh, to the net from the left point, and Carter Corpy was right in the right spot, deflected it home to make it 4-3. Uh, how important was that goal? Yeah, I think that, you know, we could have, you know, been in a bad spot if that was 3-3 after two. And, you know, to, to get the one late in the period really kind of set us up and kind of calmed everybody down, and we were able to regroup and focus on our defensive game, I thought. You know, we had gotten a little bit of la- a little lax in the in the second there, just how we were playing the um, the second goal. He kind of they floated one out there and they beat us up the ice in a in a transition play, and then give them credit on the third goal for them. Like they they made a great play, and we just didn't um, pick up backdoor coverage. Yeah, I remember I remember that goal, the the RPI third goal, RPI goal. I think you know, Kyle was looking to his right, and the puck came out the other side of the net, and he had no chance. No, he, there's nothing he can do on that. Like we got to pick up sticks, and we got to be aware of that one, and. Um, but but again, you got to tip your cap to them. It was a great play by them. What did you say in the locker room after that second period? Because you did, was it the message? You know, great, we scored three goals, but you got to tighten up defensively. Basically, just that, like you know, it doesn't matter what happens as far as for us. We got to make sure their side of the scoreboard doesn't change, and um, you know, we just try to you know get back to eliminating their opportunities. I didn't think we gave up a ton of grade A chances for them, but um, you know, in that period, we did. And then uh, the big play of the, uh, in the third period, 807 into the third, uh, Union defenseman Jab Prokop uh, gets hit from behind by RPI forward Sutter Muzzati. Um, then Muzzati gets a five-minute you know, five major in a game misconduct for the play. Uh, 36 seconds into the power play, Nate Hanley sends a pass from the RPI left-wing corner to Ferguson up at the high slot. Yeah, Ferguson one-times it, and Vili Eminen, who was skating in front from the left, in from the left side, tips it home, uh, make it a two-goal lead. I mean, how critical was it to that to get that power play goal and that early in the major, yeah, it, you know, for for us to have that two goal cushion was was big, and you know, something that we we talked about was just kind of having that killer instinct when you have the opportunity to you know um, make a team pay, you know, do that, especially in the third period on the power play, and um, to get to give yourself you know a few more minutes to get another one, it, it was it was important. Um, and we ended up taking a penalty, but overall, I, I thought that we had good movement and was excited about how the power play was, was moving the puck. And at that, I think at that point, I mean, you guys had the game in hand. I mean, RPI did pull Jack Watson for extra, an extra attacker, but really didn't 
get any good looks. I mean, Carter Corpy almost had the empty net goal, but I think if he doesn't shank that puck, <laughs> it goes yeah. into the net. But uh, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, you know, coaches never pulled their goaltenders until there was about a minute left in the game, and it was a, if it was a one-goal game. Now, you know, goal, you know, coaches are, you know, riverboat gamblers. They'll pull them four or five minutes left, down two, down three. I mean, and then there seems to be there's no – Maybe coaches in the past didn't like the fact that you know players would shoot before the red line. If it doesn't make it, it's a nice and cold. But what do you? Th- what's your philosophy on that? I mean, do you mind like a Carter taking a chance like that, with, especially two goal leads? Is that it's not as risky as a one goal? Yeah. So for us, when it's a one goal game, it's always next zone mentality. You just want to make sure you get that line so it goes one more zone. Um, when it's a two goal game, we we encourage guys to shoot for it. Um, so I guess we give the, uh, them a little bit more lee- leeway to make a decision. Um, you know, I think on that one, he probably was behind him. He could have taken, he could at least gain the red line uh, and then taken the shot at it. Cause then if you miss, it's, you know, keeps the clock, clock running. So um, ideally, we would have gained the red before we take that shot. Yeah. Uh, what was the celebration like afterwards? We could, you know, we're, the, the press room was right across from your locker room. We could hear a lot of the celebrating, hollering. Of, what was it like in there? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of alumni back and just a lot of different, you know, people that were able to come in and, and sort of, you know, celebrate with us. So that was fun. And the guys were, you know, really excited. And, um, you know, it, it would, for us, it's it's a game we talk about from the start of the season. So to be able to get that, that win was important. Yeah. Well, after the break, we'll talk about this weekend's road games against the Ellen Brown, as well as uh, talk about Colin Ferguson. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. It's the most historic conference in college hockey. It's a battle night in and night out. ECAC Hockey, an iconic conference home to 12 of the most prestigious universities and programs in the world and showcasing the best student-athletes in the sport. Top-notch facilities and arenas, incomparable traditions, passionate fans, alumni who go on to become elite professionals, leaders, and champions. ECAC Hockey, there's no experience like it. Hi, I'm Daily Gazette News columnist Andrew Waite and host of the Weighing In podcast which takes you inside my award-winning featured news column by offering the backstory, thought process, and interviews that inform my work. Plus, readers have their chance to respond. The Weighing In Podcast is available at dailygazette.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hi, this is Union College women's hockey head coach Josh Skiba. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. Union men's head hockey coach Josh Halji joins me. Uh, before we get into the weekend's games, Josh, I want to talk about uh, junior defenseman Colin Ferguson. I mean, his three-point game in the Mayor's Cup earned him ECAC Hockey Defender of the Week. He's on a three-game point scoring streak, the third time he's done that in his career, second time this season. Uh, he seems to be gaining confidence uh, with his offensive game. How important is that? Yeah, it's really important. I mean, he's he's got the ability to, to help uh, with our offensive play and um, – you know, the biggest thing is when defensemen aren't scoring, sometimes they take unnecessary chances because they want to be involved. And um, he kind of just stayed the course and, you know, didn't panic about it. You know, I'm sure there was some frustration at times for him, but he never showed it. Um, and, you know, eventually you know he's going to get rewarded because he, he puts himself in a great spot. He's got a great skill set, and uh, he plays with his head up. 
His freshman year, he had 10 points, all assists. Uh, and then last year, as you, your first year as head coach, he seemed to be trying too much or too hard to pr produce offense. Do you think he was putting too much pressure on himself, maybe trying to show what he could do? I, I'm sure. I think, you know, there's a lot of guys last year that, you know, didn't know how you know, how to operate with a new coach and a new system, a new structure. So um, there's just a level of familiarity that everybody's, you know, not comfortable with right away. And you know, as he got hopefully more comfortable with us as a staff and, and just his play, he he's really developed into the defenseman that, you know, you know when we, we took the job that, that we thought he was going to, you know, going to be and excited for his progression. Yeah, I think he's been better defensively this year. Yeah, last season he was a minus 10 def defensive rating. This season he's a plus five, fourth best on the team. How has he improved? Well, I, I think he's just keeping the game, you know, sim simple. You know, he doesn't, I think last year is really pressing and trying to make, you know, you know, there's sometimes there's just not a play to be made and you got to you know, move the puck up the wall and just get or get it to the forwards. And I thought he was pressing a little bit last year and, you know, probably trying to impress and, um, you know, it is really hard when you're a freshman and have a good season. Um, you know, I think it, everybody thinks it's just going to come easy and you're going to take that next step. And sometimes there's a, you know, a little step back. And, um, you know, I, I think he's just really coming into his own right now. And I think he's still got a lot of really good hockey in front of him. And he's still got, you know, much more left to, to, to continue to get better because he's, he's going to be a really good player. And he, he already is. What did you say to him or what did the coaching staff say to him to try to get him to relax? Is just, you know, play his game, not to try to grip the stick too tightly. Yeah. I mean, he does a lot of video, you know, with, with us and he, he's really a student of the game, but I think the biggest thing is when he's pressing the game, we just kind of, you know, put your arm around him and tell him to settle down and Hey, it's, it's going to come for you. You don't need to go you know, make that happen. Just take what the game gives you. And when there's a chance to make a play, make that play. And, um, you know, I, I think Lenny and does a great job with him on, on, you know, five on five, and John does a great job with him on the a power play. And if he starts to produce more, how much does that take the pressure, say, off of um, John Prokop? Because, you know, obviously John's been putting up the points, leading the team in scoring. I mean, does that take uh, some pressure away from him? Yeah, I think so. I think when, you know, you got a two-headed monster as far as, like, you know, you can tack from different ways on our special teams. They both quarterback a power play. Um, you know, it gives us the ability to, go, you know, use each power play and, you know, you don't have to start John's unit every time you can come back, you know, with Fergie's unit and let him, you know, quarterback it. And, um, it, it's a lot, makes it a lot more difficult for teams to prepare. I thought it was very important in, 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 in that game Saturday, the, the two assists, yeah, both primary assists, both, uh, you know, shot the puck. Uh, he, he floats it perfectly, uh, towards the net that with uh, Carter Corpy tops that tap, tap, uh, gets the re, uh, redirection and the one, uh, even in power play goal, that major, uh, it's a one-timer, doesn't wait. Uh, to be. How important is it to know when to shoot that puck, not not hold it? Yeah, when you have, you know, when you have numbers at the net, um, it, it's extremely important to get it there and get it there quick. And, you know, that's what he did. He, um, you know, uh, on Villy's goal, like he, he, he said he one-timed it, but it was, it was right on Villy's stick and Villy was able to tap that in. That was a great play. And, um, you know, just to get, there's a lot of traffic on, on, on Corpse's goal and he, he, you know, he found a way to get it to the net and, um, you get the puck around, you know, we got some guys that can score goals. So if you get the puck on their stick around the net, like we always have a chance. Well, I have a story on Colin uh, online at dailygazette.com uh, on Wednesday and on Thursday's print edition. So let's look ahead to this weekend's game. Union returns to ECAC hockey play, uh, going to Yale on Friday, then at Brown on Saturday. And the last time the Garner Chargers played uh, those two teams, it was a rough one. The Union wasted two third-period leads. Uh, Garner Chargers lost to Brown 3-2 in overtime on January 5th. And then Yale scores three goals in a two-minute span late in the third period to turn a 2-1 deficit into a 4-2 victory on January 6th. 
Yeah, instead of getting six points, the union earned just one. I knew everybody seemed to be upset after the game. Was there a lot of soul searching after that weekend? I, I think it was a really good wake up call for us. I mean, um, you know, like yeah. You got to get points at home, and that was a weekend where we just came away with one, and everybody was really disappointed about it. And um, you know, there's a you know expectation that especially at home you're going to win, and um, I, I think it was a, it was a big letdown for everyone. So I think we were all able to you know kind of take a step back, take a look at what we needed to improve on, um, and I think we've been playing better hockey since then. Yeah, I mean, those losses could have sent Union. To sent the season spiraling out of control. And instead, Union has gone on a five-game unbeaten streak, 4-0-1 in those five games, and earning 10 points and going 3-0-1 in ECAC hockey play. Uh, the team uh, tied was, was tied for second after the overtime win against Harvard, but now uh, you know, with the off week for the conference play, uh, Union's tied for fourth with the Colgate, 11 points behind Commerce leading Quinnipiac, three in back of second place Clarkson, and one behind third place Cornell. I mean, certainly Union has a chance to get a first round bye for the ECAC hockey tournament. So, I mean, how important will it be to collect six points to not only keep pace for the first round bye, but to put some separation fr- uh, between uh, the teams and you? Behind yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at it, like, uh, you know, I think it's Cornell and Colgate go to the North Country, so those teams are going to be playing against each other. So there's a there's going to be a chance to gain some ground on, on you know, two of those teams that are that are fighting for spots. And, um, you know, for us, it's it's important to go get, get Friday right now and, you know, you know, try to put ourselves in a spot where we can have a really good weekend. And, um, I mean, <laughs> I think everybody was disappointed with the way we played against Yale and Brown last time, so hopefully we can, you know, you know, find you know, continue to find our game here and have a have a really good weekend. I mean, how important is it going to be for Union to dictate the pace of both games in arenas where maybe the atmosphere is not as exciting and maybe say as it was a mess or at MVP this past Saturday? Yeah, I think that's going to be a big adjustment. It's you know, um, we got to control our our emotions and and just you know stay stay you know energized like we you know I think I think we're a better hockey team when we're playing with energy, we're playing with passion and. Um, it's it's not going to be created for you on the road. You got to you know create it yourself. So I think it's just you know having that next shift mentality and, and just trying to play connected hockey. Yeah, Browns especially Brown because I mean me and Auditorium I think is one of the more underrated uh, arenas in ECAC hockey. But they never have never drawn. Uh, and sometimes you just get lulled to sleep in, in that building. And so I, a couple times I fall, fall asleep covering games when I was traveling with the team. But uh, I mean, that's that's the one team that always seems to give Union fits, no matter how good or how bad Union's been. Why is Brown so pesky? Well, I, I think they, you know, right now are playing a really good game. Like they're really structured. They're defending hard. Their goaltender's been great. Um, they have a couple young players that are really, you know, been the catalyst for their offense. Um, and, and you mentioned it, it is a difficult place to play. I mean, it's there's nights where I, you know, play there. There's been, you know, not a lot of people. So hopefully, with the success they're having, that um, you know they'll they'll have a good crowd. But um, you know, you, it just has never really been that way when I've been uh, been coaching in the league. I think sometimes they toy with the heat, not putting it on. Sometimes putting not putting it on. <laughs> yeah, it's it is cold there. <laughs> so let me uh, ask you about some news coming out of junior hockey in Canada. Five teams from the Alberta Junior Hockey League are moving to the British Columbia Hockey League. Uh, the AJHL retaliated by banning those teams from playing league games for the rest of the season. I mean, what are your thoughts about that, and how does this, does this affect uh, recruiting players from those leagues? Well, it's it's definitely, you know, we have one player that's on one of those teams right now, so it's, you know, we just want him playing games, and you don't want, you know, the, the players to be penalized because the league decides to, uh, you know, shift their focus, and, you know, they decide to shift leagues. Um, you know, obviously the BCHL and the AJHL, 
AJHL have been leagues that we recruit from and you know we're going to get players from so hopefully they can come come away with a good resolution um I don't like any time anyone leaves Hockey Canada or USA Hockey so um I, I don't I don't like the fact that they're leaving but I understand why those teams are yeah well, we always encourage uh, questions from our listeners that, uh, you know, you can email them at shotatdailygazette.com or on post them on X uh, threads and uh, uh, Facebook. And a question from uh, David Trexley actually has two questions uh, really coming after the in the aftermath of the Mayor's Cup game. But the uh, first question is, who makes the schedule? How do teams agree to non-conference opponents? And also, how is the conference schedule determined? Uh, I guess firstly with the conference schedule is um, the commissioner in their office they they kind of send you what you get and that's um, that's how that comes out we do have a little I think we're gonna have a little bit more say in it uh, I find it really frustrating that we're playing you know we haven't played Cornell and Colgate yet like I think you should play your 11 and then you know or play your 11 games against everyone then your last 11 so yeah you know if you get somebody right now if somebody's injured for us or Cornell or Colgate like we may not see them in a, in a you know, short span. So um, I, I don't like when, you know, you play two teams, um, you know, in a couple weekends back to back. So, um, and then for non-conference play, um, you know, right now I'm starting to be able to take over that. Um, you know, there were some contracts and stuff from, you know, uh, you know, Coach Bennett where like we kind of had to honor those. So now, yeah, you just kind of go to Naples and make some calls and, <laughs> um, you know, try to, you try to do that in the off season and just um, it, it really comes down to just, you know, coaches dealing with coaches or um, sometimes it's administrators dealing with administrators. Are those calls made on the golf course while you're playing <laughs> <people>? <laughs> nah, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is some of that that goes on. Or some adult beverages at the bar. I don't yeah, know. That, but the, yeah, that, um, yeah, that's one thing. You mentioned the, the, the Colgate Corner. I just find it fascinating. You're done with playing RPI. You're done with the uh, St. Lawrence and Clarks, and then after this weekend, you're done with Brown and Yale, and yet you haven't seen Colgate and Cornell. It just, just, just does seems weird. Yeah, and I mean, you, you look at Cornell and Colgate, like they have four games left with us, and you know, or two games le- left with us, two games left with RPI, two games left with Clarkson, and two games left with St. Lawrence. Yeah. So their schedule is really unbalanced. Yeah. Uh, the second question David had, um, why are the home-and-home home Union RPI conference games in October Two very meaningful games played in the opening month of the season seems like an odd placement. Teams are hardly playing their best hockey, and this ends up being a sloppy representation of the teams and rivalry, hence the 8-6 game reunion. Uh, just food for thought, and whoever that, the key decision makers are here, uh, why not have the home-and-home home as a senior weekend with Mayor's Cup as the first showing between the teams? Then the season series winner can be presented with some trophy at one of the home rings following, followed by senior nights. Could could provide some very intense games and really ramp up the rivalry. The stories and the scenarios coming in to that final weekend would be wild. Thanks, David, for that question. I actually think that's a, a great idea. Uh, it's actually been something that's been talked about is making like the last weekend, um, you always play your travel partner. Uh, that way, you know, like nobody would right before playoffs have to, you know, you know, you don't have to go from, you know, uh, Princeton to St. Lawrence. You know, if that's your last game of the regular season, that way it would always be somewhat close, uh, and then it sets everybody else up. Uh, I, I don't like the fact that it's early in the season. I, I agree completely. I didn't think, you know, I, I would have liked well, the opportunity to play those league games right now. I can sort of answer that question because I know they used to have the games in January, one game in January, one game in December, and it always seemed would seem to fall in the time when one of the student bodies wasn't home. If it was December, Union student body wasn't home. When it was in early January, RPI student body wasn't home. So I think a lot of that had to do with um, moving the games to the, uh, that late October, first week in November, uh, open the season, that type of thing. 
Yeah, that that would make sense. I, I do know, yeah, like I, I mentioned that the league had kind of talked about maybe the last week and being just your, you know, you play those two games. So um, it, it is kind of fun when you spread them out. But um, yeah, like I said, I, I would like a chance to get those ga- that, that one game back, especially. That would be interesting to see how that happens. I mean, I mean can you... Can, Divulge me, I mean, schedule-wise, or have they talked about the, the, league, the league schedule? Hasn't been officially announced for next year? Yeah, I, I, it's, you know, it's it has been kind of, you know, because we're doing non-conference scheduling right now, so, like, kind of have to know what dates are open and when mm-hmm. you can schedule your non-conference games. So, yeah, it, it's pretty much done at this point. Okay. Well, Josh, appreciate it for a few minutes. Uh, good luck this weekend. We'll talk uh, with you after each game, and we'll do this again next week. Thank you very much. All right, that's uh, Josh Halji. I'll have another edition of the Parting Shots podcast on Thursday. We'll start looking at Super Bowl 58 with San Francisco sports talk show host and Notre Dame Bishop Gibbons High School graduate, Damon Bruce. I'll also have interviews with Union men's hockey players Ben Tupper, Colin Ferguson, and John Prokop. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good hockey.